I'm not talking about a, some kind of a power that I can just pull out my, my, my lucky rabbit's foot and wave it around and say, poof, it's changed. That's not what faith is. That's not faith. That's not what the Bible is. Faith is saying that I'm confident and I'm going to get through whatever God has for me in my life. Everybody say amen. Hey, let's give the Lord a hand this morning, would you please? Good to see you this morning, and uh, it's good to see everybody, and, and God bless you. We're glad you're here. And uh, Matthew chapter 27, and we're in our series um, talking about the fam- famous last words. You know, the most famous person I know is Jesus Christ, and, um, and he says some very remarkable things all throughout the gospel accounts, and we understand that. But I want us to pay attention uh, just to some of the famous words that he spoke from Calvary's cross And this morning, we're going to be looking at the words where he uttered, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, when I kind of look at those words, you know, um, it's it's a little confusing, and and we're going to explain it here, because I'm looking at 100% man and 100% God. Listen to me, everybody. Jesus Christ, we call him the Son of God, and he is the Son of God, he is God but he is God incarnate. He is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And so I think of our Savior, Jesus Christ, after he was mocked and in the crucifixion, and as he was beaten, and as he was mocked upon, and as he was beat with that uh, cat nine pole, you know, that pole was a, was a stick, and on that stick it had rosin, and it had, it had pieces of metal. It, it, had, it had bones on it. It was sharp. This thing was made. It was made not just, to, not just to tear the skin, but to pull the skin off. And I think of our Savior, and after he was beaten, and after he was mocked, and after the thorn was shoved over his head, and there was blood coming down his face, and, of course, his body was torn all for our sake. As I think about him, and then he was put on this tree, and these, and these spikes were driven into his hands and to his feet. And I think of him up there, and as we're going to look here in the scripture, and on, that, and on that hour, and it got dark, and he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think about that, and I have to remember that he's 100% man, 100% God. Was this a complaint? Is this our Savior, the man who lived the perfect life, and now he's on the cross for our sins? Is this a statement that he's making? Is this, is this a complaint that he's complaining about? What exactly is it? And you know, we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but what I want us to see this morning is, is that life is difficult. Can I have an amen? We don't want always know why things are happening to us. You know, I, I, I think about our lives and, and my life and living my life, and I just sometimes I don't get it. You know, why do certain things happen? You know, um, you know my dad's here, and, and, uh, and it's so good to have, and my sister's here, and it's so good to have them. And, you know, and, you know my mom passed away at the age of 58, such a young age, and I kind of wonder, why did, why did that have to happen? And, and you know, when we all kind of maybe go through situations and we just don't quite understand and why do certain things have to be certain ways and you just think of what it may be or what you're going through right now and, and, and why things are the way they have to be. 
the truth is, is life is pretty complex and there's no simple answers. Can I have an amen on that? Now, there are some simple answers about this text, and we're going to relate them here, but listen to me real close, because it's really, and truthfully, it's all about perspective and whose perspective you're looking at things at. If I'm looking at my life and I look at based on what I see, it gives one perspective. If you look upon my life, you may have another perspective, but listen close. In God's perspective of things, listen close, in God's perspective of things can be totally different. So Jesus utters these words. He says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Look with me at Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. And he says, now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. So that's talking about the time of day when it was, when it was daytime. So we could say from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it says, darkness fell. Now, so it's important that, he, that, he, that, the, that, the, that Matthew here, when he was giving his, his, his history and what he saw, his account of this day, he made it very important to tell us that it was broad daylight when this was taking place because he wanted us to let us see that, it, that a darkness came. Now, there was no eclipse that day. You see, all your history people will want to tell you that, uh, well, if you go back 2,016 years and, and you, you go back and look at it, that that's the day when there would have been eclipse. There was no eclipse that day. God looked away from his son because at that time he was taking on our sins. Listen to me. Anybody who would repent of their, of their sins and, 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 and call upon Jesus Christ as their Savior, not just with, with their mouth, but from the heart, as Romans tells us, and profess he, he's, he's taking on the sins of the world, and the drunkards, the drug addicts, the rapists, any sin you can imagine, it was the sins of that time that our Savior was taken upon. He, was, he took that crucifixion. He took that beating. He took that mocking. He took all of this on. And when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a point of that where it got dark and, he, and, and, and it was because all of his life, he was in the presence of God Almighty, and the very first time, God couldn't look upon him, and it became dark as he took upon your sins, my sins, and anybody's sins who had ever been born or be born in this world. Man, does he love me or what? Does he love you or what? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so... It was about the ninth hour that he cried out. It became dark. In his loud voice, Matthew records, as he was present upon that day, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. And We may not understand a lot of things this morning, Lord, but we do understand one thing is that you love us. 
And Lord, I think so often we, we walk around in our days and we feel like we're all alone. And we, we look at things from a perspective that we don't know why things are happening to us or to other people. But Lord, this morning, perhaps we can take these famous words that you spoke loudly from the cross when you took our sins and when you gave up the ghost and even went to hell in our place for that very short time. And then when you rose again from the grave, proving that you are the Messiah, the one who was prophesied of, the one who was promised of God, and the one who would deliver the world from their sins. And I pray that this morning that uh, through, through these words that we, we will come to the conclusion that you have a perspective of things that we don't. And that, Lord, that the best thing that we can do is put our faith in the one who, who started and who finished and who created. Lord, anoint the rest of our service here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, is anybody here from Kentucky? Anybody have any ties to Kentucky? There's got to be one person. Anybody? You drove through it. Because I really don't want to offend anybody this morning. Anybody from Kentucky, okay? No? Okay. I was hoping there was because I was going to go to Virginia next, Brett, okay? But, but, uh, but, but you know, I heard, this is a true story apparently, but I heard about, about a husband and wife, and um, um, uh, the husband went to the emergency room, and the doctor, uh, he come in, the, the man come in, and he was brought in by, by an ambulance because he got into a car accident, and he had burns all around his neck burns all around his neck. So the doctor looked at him and he t said to this man, he said, sir, I don't understand how you get burns all around your neck in a car accident. And he says, well, doctor, it's kind of a long story. He said, you see, um, me's and my wife, we, uh, <laughs> me's and my wife, uh, we bought a new, well, those shock collars for our dog, you see. Did I mention the guys from Kentucky? Okay, because it's very important to the story, Okay. He says, we got one of those dog collars that zaps, and he says, and, and he said, and so I told my wife that I wanted to see how, if it worked or not, and what the distance this thing would work, and so this is a true story, okay, and so, he, so his idea was he put this shock collar around his neck, he got into his truck, and he told his wife, he says, he said, he said, now, when I honk the horn, he said, I want you to zap the collar. So he gets in his truck, he has a collar on, he gets in his truck, and he drives down the road. He gets up on the hill and just over the hill, out of sight from his wife, and then he honks the horn. When he honked the horn, his wife hit the, hit the, hit the button. He's, his, by the way, he, he hadn't stopped driving yet, according to the story. He was still driving I mentioned he's from Kentucky or from Virginia or from Virginia. I'm not really sure, but um, but uh, he's so he's driving and his wife hits it and he gets shocked and he screams and then he swerved into oncoming traffic and as another car was approaching, guess what happened? That person honked. And so his wife, oblivious to what's going on, she figures it's him honking that it's not working. So she hits the button again, and it, and it starts shocking and shocking and shocking. And then he swerves again, and the other person starts shocking, and he wrecks. And that's how he got burns around his neck. All right, give the Lord a hand this morning. Huh? Aren't you glad you're not from Kentucky?
or from, from Virginia. I, but that story has nothing to do. I thought, I thought it was a funny story, and I thought it was just ridiculous, but an absolutely true story. Weird things happen to very weird people and to even other people. But back to our, to our text this morning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And understanding that every, not everything is what it appears because there's different perspectives. These famous last words of our Savior Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times there are things that happen in life that just don't seem to have a good reason as to why. Why all the bad things, the hurtful things, and the disappointing things, we know there's more to life than that. You know, if you're taking notes, there's three most common easy answers for hard times, and it would be these three. It would be these three. And we're, we're going to make a point here. Number one, number one, we often hear this, that they say it's your fault. Hard things, bad things happen because it's your fault. Anybody ever heard that before? Raise your hand. You know, there must be some secret sin in your life. You know, some people and some very well-meaning people or not very well-meaning people may say, you know, maybe there's some secret sin in your life that you need to take care of. You know, um, you played fool's ball last night, and we know that's Satan's, Satan's game, and you, you shouldn't. Maybe there's some secret sin. Whatever it may be, maybe it's, maybe it's your fault. Number two, we often hear this sometimes, that it's Satan's fault. You know, it's really kind of my fault because I allowed it to happen, but nevertheless, it's Satan's fault. I'm just going to remind you about something, that Satan, all he can do is tempt us. He can't make us do anything. Can I have an amen? All he can do is tempt us. It's up to us not to do what we're tempted to do. We're to get in God's word. We're to trust in the holy God and put ourselves in that holy place and we're to repent from things. And then number three, we often hear it sometimes that people may say that it's God's will. Who's heard that before? Something bad happens to you, and then they just say, you ever heard that before, Carol Ann? And then they just say, well, honey, it's okay. It's God's will. So the point I'm making with that is, is sometimes it is our fault, and sometimes we go through things because it is God's will. But the truth of the matter is, is that life is pretty complex, Life is pretty complex, and it's not always so easy to determine why bad things happen or hard things happen. Now, the problem for me is things are usually complex. And what's interesting to me is we examine the words of Jesus Christ on the cross, and, here's, and here what we notice is that we look at his life as a whole. And, and we made mention a while ago that we know that in the life of Jesus Christ that oftentimes all the times, every single time, he was a perfect man. And oftentimes, oftentimes, um, people try to do horrible things to this perfect man. Everybody, you agree with that? Even when Jesus was a little baby, Herod sought to have him killed. People called him a heretic. People called him a fanatic. They said that he was a demon-possessed. They said that he was a drunk. They said that he was a glutton. They said that Jesus would hang out with the wrong kind of people. He was falsely accused. He was tortured, he was beaten, he was taken to the cross. And what is interesting to me is that when Jesus suffered at the hands of men, he never once complained. And so now while on the cross, when it became sin for us, the world became dark and the Father withdrew his presence and turned 
And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why? You see, it's very easy to have faith when the sun is shining, not for Jesus, but for us. But it's another thing, it's another story to have faith when darkness sits in the world. Hey, listen to me, and we're going we're gonna to make some points here. But you know, we've got to have faith through hard times. When times get difficult, when things don't go the way that we think they ought to go, when, when bad things happen, when hard things happen, listen to me, our faith needs to get deep. Everybody say amen. You know, and one of the greatest stories of, of faith is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I call them the three amigos. You, you remember the story, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and these three Hebrew children um, were asked, were told, were, were told by Nebuchadnezzar that they had to bow down and worship this 90-foot statue of gold of this false idol. And these three Hebrews looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and he said, no, sir, we're not going to do it. King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't do it, he said that I'm going to kill you. And these three Hebrews says, do what you have to, but, but we worship no other God except the one true God. He says, we're not going to do it. King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't do it, I'm going to pitch you in that furnace and I'm going to burn you up alive. And he, they said, go ahead and do it because what you can do to us, it doesn't matter because we're only going to worship and bow down to one God, and that's the true God, the Jehovah God. So what happened? King Nebuchadnezzar, he escorted them, had them put right into that fiery furnace, and that thing was turned up where it was supposed to disintegrate anything that entered into it. And these three guys... By the way, there was four of them in that fiery furnace. There was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Jesus Christ. Oh, they put them in that fiery furnace, and they turned it up, but they started dancing around. Finally, King Nebuchadnezzar said, well, that's enough, and he turned the thing and brought the guys out of there. Their clothes didn't even smell like fire. He even said, where's that fourth person at? You see, Jesus Christ took care of them. Those three Hebrews have had faith. They served the one true God. Even when time got at its worst, they had faith in God. Listen, when, when times get hard, that's what we're supposed to do, is we're supposed to draw into the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. Everybody say amen. The perspective of things, our perspective. Some people in the middle of loss and pain would say, God appears to be nowhere. Listen to this. Others would look at the very same thing and say, no, you don't understand. Um, God is going to be here. But what's incredible to me is, is about Jesus is that the only thing that he needed to endure the physical pain on this cross, back to our context, the emotional pain, the relational pain, the only thing that he needed was the presence of his father. You see it? That was it. And the only time that he had ever once made a statement like this was when the father had withdrawn his presence from him. And the same is true for us. When it comes to perspective, listen close, is that we only see part of the story. Think about Jesus real quick for a minute. Think about who would have saw different things on this day of the crucifixion. Crucifixion. Think about Jesus in his perspective, understanding 
that his, his kenosis here, understanding that he's 100% man and 100% God, understand that he's hanging on this cross and it turns dark and God takes his presence away. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, think about the disciples just for a minute. Think about these guys. Look, Think about their perspective. Think about them watching. Listen close. Think about them watching Jesus arrested in the garden, taken through these, through these different steps and found guilty of nothing that he ever did. Think about them following along as all this process is going on. Think, think about their, their perspective of seeing the man who is God who followed him, who believed, who, who did miracles and all these things, and, 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 and now their, their life is being ch- turned upside down, and, and they see their God, they see Jesus Christ being arrested and being beaten. Can you, can you see what they're seeing, or maybe what they're thinking? Like, if he's really the king, then how can he bleed, and how can he be beaten, and how can they be, he be beaten with his cat? I mean, just think about what their perspective may be. Think about as he's laying, as he's up on the cross, that they're thinking to themselves, perhaps, my goodness, I walked away from my business. I walked away from my family, from my house to follow this Jesus. Now what do we have? Can you think about that for a minute? And it gets pretty confusing, doesn't it? Why are things, why do things happen? In our lives, we often look at it from our perspective, or you might look at someone's life from another perspective. But listen, there's only one perspective that matters, and that's the perspective of God. From the perspective of the disciples, they had their own perspective. But for God, when he turned away from his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and when he turned away, it would become dark from his perspective. Yes, it was his son. And yes, he loved his son. But in his perspective, that's what had to be done for our sins. Do you get it? It had to be done for our sins. You see, the Bible says that there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be a perfect sacrifice. And everything before Jesus Christ looked forward to this time and everything after the, after the death and burial and resurrection looks back at this time, there had to be a sacrifice and it had to be Jesus Christ. From God's perspective, when he heard his son cry out those words, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? From God's perspective, it was because it had to happen. And notice two points here this morning. And as we look at these words, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Notice the father's part of the story, our God's part of the story, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why? Number one, the father forsook Jesus because, number one, because he became sin. Why did God forsake him? It's because Jesus became sin for us. Why did he cry those words? Because he's never been out of the presence of God before. And when he did, he he didn't cry those words because he was torn, because he was mocked, because he was spit upon. He wasn't crying because his beard was plucked. He was crying because for the first time in his, his life, he didn't and wasn't in the presence of God. But he did so because 
our father forsook Jesus because he became sin. And why did God forsake him? Because Jesus became sin for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. You see, that was the perspective of God. It, that's why he did what he did. That's why he forsook that day. That's why Jesus cried aloud that day, my God, my God. It's because so that we could become like him, because so that we could have eternal life with him, so that we're not, because of our sins, will be crucified and be placed in hell, is so that we become righteous like Jesus Christ. That was the perspective of that. Now listen, this makes some application here. I, I, I'm real big on practical application. Look, sometimes we go through things. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes bad things happen. And sometimes they might happen because you did something or because someone else did something or because it's God's will, whatever it is. But listen, don't always look at it from your perspective. Look at it from the perspective of God because God has a plan. He has grace. He has love. And he's going to take care of you. Amen, everybody. Give the Lord a hand, huh? That's why, you know. Um, you know, I I just don't want to say the obvious, but I will. But you know, my little grandson, you know, and again, I don't want to use, but you know, that HIE thing and the and the and the brain damage, he is he has touched more people in this in this world than probably I ever will because of the faith that that Brett and Carol Hannes displayed and 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 and. That's maybe that's God's perspective of the whole thing. Praise God, right? He's got the grace and, and He's got it all for us. We just got to make sure that we look at, maybe try to look at things not from what we only see, but from what God's going to do. We've got to have faith, deep faith to get, us, to get us through those times. Amen? So sometimes we're like Jesus and we cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not forsaking us, He's just got a plan. Do you see it? He's just got a plan. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. Because my Bible says three days later, Jesus arose from the grave. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. Praise God, he's got a plan. Don't ever forget that God hates sin. And wherever God finds sin, God must judge sin. Simple as that. Jesus became sin for us and died on the cross in our place. Now, why did God not look on? Well, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 says this, God's eyes are too pure to look on evil. He cannot tolerate wrongdoings. When Jesus became sin, when Jesus became sin, listen to me close, he became hatred, he became murder, he became adultery, he became rape, he became jealousy, he became envy, he became lying, he became all those sins that we are, that we did, so that we wouldn't be judged for. That's why God couldn't look upon him. God is so holy and so full of love that from his perspective, when the world asked why, he said, I'll tell you why it was done for you. 
Never forget the Father's perspective. Number two, and this is it, the second thing that we see is this. And again, if you're taking notes, as Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why? Number two, we see that the son was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. Jesus became sin and died with sin and was buried in a grave. And then three days later, God raised him from the grave, clearly displaying the death, sin, hell, and the grave had been defeated by the son of the living God. This is what scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, speaking of Jesus, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, by his sufferings, by his stripes, we have been healed. My God, my God, why? And God would say, I did this out of love for you. If you're asking why, if you're hurting and you don't understand, please never forget the Father's part in the story. Never forget. Never forget. Go with, go with me to Psalms chapter 22 for just a minute, please. When we're in the middle of our pain, when we're in the middle of our sorrows, when we're in the middle of not understanding, we might say, where's God? Why has he turned from me? Never forget God's perspective. Never forget that he has a plan. We don't learn anything when, when the sun is just always shining. We have to go through some trials and tribulation. Well, some trials. Hopefully you don't get to the tribulation part. We'll tell others that you just don't understand my situation. You can't. But God can. Sometimes we might be crying out, my God, my God. Why? Just remember that God has a plan, just like he had a plan with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Why did God forsake Jesus? Because Jesus becomes sin for us. He did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. Psalms 22, I better turn there. Psalms 22 is a psalm written by David. Believe it or not, it's a song of praise. It's a song of praise. We're going to read it here, but when we read this, the first thing you're going to think about is this sounds familiar. But in the context of this psalm, 
it's not in the context, it doesn't give the prophecy of this being Jesus Christ, but certainly it is a prophecy of the crucifixion of our Savior Jesus Christ. Notice what David, David wrote here. He said, O Lord, in your strength, the king will be glad in your salvation. That's chapter 21. I'm sorry. He says in verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, remember, hundreds of years before, before everything took place um, in Jerusalem, this was written, this Psalm of David. And certainly, David is going through some things, and God had given these words <laughs> for comfort. Look at it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have not rest. Yet you are holy. Oh, you who are, who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted in you and delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered in. You they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man. I, a reproach of men and despised by the people, all who see the sneer at me. They separate, they separate with the lips. They, they wag the head saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Now jump down to verse 18. Look at verse 17. He goes on to say, he says, I can count all my bones. They look. They stare at me. They divide my garments among them. Does that sound familiar? And for my clothing, they cast lots. You know, this is just another one of those prophecies, if you will, of foretelling the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, just like we find in the Old Testament in Isaiah and Malachi. Just as we find in the Old Testament, what would happen to our King, our Lord, our Savior? But what I want us to see is, is that is this morning is that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a perspective. God has a plan. Amen? God has a plan. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you for the word of God that we have. And God, I pray this morning that... Um, You give us illumination as we go through hard times, difficult times. Lord, I pray that you'll let us understand that as us, as we cry those words, that we'll always remember that just like with your son, that you have a perspective, that you have a plan. Lord, I pray for any of this morning here that's never given their life to Jesus Christ. I pray for the Holy Spirit to work upon their hearts and their minds this morning. And if they don't know, if they don't know, they don't have a personal relationship with you, Lord. If they're not saved this morning, if, they, if they're not sure about that, Lord, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will, will convict them. I pray, God, that they'll come to repentance, that they'll come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, we love you.